0: Hey y'all, welcome back to Murdered and Missing. I'm your host, Nicole, and today I do have a little bit of business that I want to get into. First of all, I want to say thank you. Thank you for the reviews, even the not so great ones. I am taking your feedback and I am trying to adapt and do the best that I can just where I need to. And I'm fact checking a little more hardly, um, hardly is not a word, uh, harder is, uh, that would be the correct word. Um, each week, you know, this is still new for me. So I do appreciate the feedback. Um, even though I am sensitive and sometimes I do cry, we're going to pretend like I don't, um, but yeah. So I just, you know, I just want to say that it is a learning process for me and I appreciate you guys coming back each week. I appreciate, you know, the ones that are joining the discretion group and just follow me on Facebook and stuff like that. Um, also I'm at like 1300 plays, which y'all that's mind boggling. Okay. Like, I hate the sound of my voice and the fact that I have 1,300 plays and that there are people who continue to come back and listen to me talk is is wild. So thank you. You know, I'm, I'm super, I'm super grateful. I'm super thankful that you guys are coming back and that you um, are wanting to talk and not talk because we can't have a conversation because we're not face to face. Y'all y'all know what I mean, okay? It's like it's like I'm talking to you and I'm imagining your reactions while I'm telling the story. Okay. Anyway, that is enough of my rambling. That is enough of me thinking you guys. Um so let's get into it. Uh this week we are back in Minnesota. Um, And we're going to be discussing the strange and mysterious disappearance of Brandon Swanson. Brandon was born on January 30th in 1989 in Marshall, Minnesota to Brian and Annette Swanson. In 2007, Brandon graduated from Marshall High School, and after graduation, he decided to attend the Minnesota West Community and Technical College to study wind turbines, and since his interest did lie in wind turbines, he would have to go to the Canby campus, which was in Canby, Minnesota. Um, so... He spent that first year in school and his classes ended on May 13th and that is 2008. And Brandon decided that he was going to go out that night and he was going to celebrate with um, some classmates. Now, Brandon and their friends started off in inland, which is a small town. It's located about seven miles southwest of his home in Marshall. Later, Brandon would leave Lynde, um, and reports say he left around 10 30 to 11 uh, to travel to Canby, which is where his college is. Excuse me, Canby. Um, so after he left, um, it was about 30 miles from his home in Marshall. Uh, so Brandon leaves the party in Canby around midnight on May 14th. And according to some witnesses at the party, Brandon did consume some alcoholic drinks. However, an article that I've read um, by the True Crime Files stated that um, friends at that party said, quote, he did not appear to be intoxicated when he left, end quote. So with that in mind, you know, the fact that he's a college kid and his friends, you know, I'm sure know him pretty well, and they don't think he's intoxicated. I'm gonna go with he probably was not intoxicated. Probably just had a couple drinks because he was not there long. You know, roughly an hour. if it took him about thirty minutes to get there from Lynn to Canby and he leaves Canby around midnight, he's most likely maybe had time to drink one, maybe two drinks um in this time frame. And he's not appearing intoxicated. So I'm I'm gonna go with he's not drunk. Okay. So later, when he was at that party in Canby, witnesses that were there say that he took an additional shot of whiskey before leaving to go back home um and home as Marshall. But when he left that party around midnight to make that 30-minute drive, witnesses said when he left there no mention, you know, of him being intoxicated. So they don't think he's drunk. Now this is important. I'm stressing that I, from what I read, I do not think he was intoxicated. Okay. This is very important for the story to come. So in order for Brandon to get home, he's going to need to take highway 68. And this is a direct route. So think point A to point B, point A being can be Point B being his home in Marshall, okay? He leaves around midnight. It's a 30-minute drive. It's 1.15 now, okay? So this is an hour and 15 minutes. He should have been home 12.30, 12.45 at the latest if he got stuck in an extra long red light. I hate those, by the way. So it's 1.15 in the morning, and somehow his car got stuck on a gravel mound um like the gravel was pushed together swept together blown together somehow i don't know okay just theorizing that that mound probably shouldn't have been in the road anyway as neither <laughs> here nor there we need to stop spiraling for a minute folks okay so the car gets stuck okay it's 1.15 in the morning and the car is stuck. So Brandon is going to attempt to free his car himself. He's going to make multiple attempts. He can't get it unstuck. So now he's calling his friends. It's one fifteen, maybe 1.30, 1.45 in the morning, depending on how long he spent trying to un- stick, unstuck? unstick his car. Get his car unstuck. That's that's how we're going to go with it. Okay. So finally, um, you know, he calls his friends, those friends don't answer. So then he calls his parents. It's now one fifty four in the morning. So this is a good, like 40, what? 39. I don't know. I, I don't do the maths. It's like 40 ish minutes. Okay. Who was with him? That is what I want to know. Okay. It took an hour and 15 minutes to get from Canby to where his car was, okay? I think somebody was with him. I have no proof of this. This is just my theory, okay? Stick with me, folks. So he calls his parents around one fifty four in the morning. I'm a parent myself. I've got two kids. I could not imagine getting a call from my kid 1.50 in the morning, one fifty four. excuse me, saying, hey, I need some help. You know, because first thing, my head is going to an accident. And I'm sure that Brandon knew this because he made sure to reassure his parents he was not hurt. The car was not broken or damaged. The car was fine. It was just stuck. And he just needed to ride home. That to me says, Brandon knows his parents. He knows, hey, I'm calling my folks super late. They're going to be worried about me. Let me just reassure them. So Brian and Annette, they say, no problem, son. We're on the way. So they load up into their pickup truck, tell Brandon, hey, you know, we're in the truck. Where are we going, kid? Give us directions. So Brandon gives them directions to where he thought he was, okay, thought, Now, where he thought he was is the midway point between Lind and Marshall. Now, remember, this is only seven miles, so it's about a 10-minute drive. Now, Brian, who's Brandon's dad, said he felt he knew exactly where um, Brandon was and said, it's like a 10-minute drive, no problem, I'm on the way, kid, right? So they get in the car and they head that way. CNN reported that Brian Swanson said, quote, he was positive he knew where he was, end quote. The parents and the son, they stay on the phone while they're driving. You know, they drive to go pick him up. Now, when Brian and Annette get to the spot where Brandon tells them that he is, they don't see him. There's no sign of the car. There's no sign of Brandon. Dark, empty field. So they're on the phone and they're like, hey, We don't see you, you know, flash your lights. So Brandon is flashing the lights on his Chevy Lumina and his parents are flashing the light on their truck. So flick, flick, flick goes by. Brandon's like, do you see me? Unfortunately, they don't see him. They see nothing but darkness. So now they're thinking, okay, what if we're facing the wrong direction? Like what if somehow... We came in like the wrong way, and our back is to him or something, you know. So they're like, hey, honk your horn. So they honk the horn, or Brandon honks his horn, and his dad, who was on the phone with him, or it might have been his mom, um, or it might have been on speakerphone, but one of his parents hears the car horn through the phone speaker, but they don't actually hear the horn. So, you know. At this point, I'm thinking it's probably two-ish in the morning and they're like, okay, are you sure you gave us the right spot? You know, both parties are getting frustrated and now they're going to start to question Brandon. Like, hey, you know, are you sure that this is where you're at? Like, are you 100% positive? So they're not seeing these lights. They're not hearing the horn honking and it's not making sense to either of these parties. His parents are on a gravel road with just open fields on either side of them. They should have seen him. They should have heard him. If Brandon was on the road that he said he was on, they should have been able to see or hear him. Okay? So the Swansons are still on the phone with Brandon. And so now they're starting to get even more frustrated with the situation. And I can sympathize. I mean, I have been on the phone trying to get directions from somebody, and they're not giving me good directions. And I'm just like, dude, where are you sending me? Where am I going? I don't know where I'm at. You know, and it's it's in the morning. They get woken up, their kid needs help. So I can only imagine the emotions and the thoughts and the feelings that are going through, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Swanson's head. That is going to make you a bit more edgy so I I can see why you know tempers are flaring Brandon's probably annoyed because he's been out there for I don't know like an hour and a half at this point and he's just like dude just come get me so eventually you know their tempers reach this boiling point and Brandon hangs up Annette immediately calls him back and she apologizes for losing her cool you know, given the circumstances, like I said, it's understandable. So, you know, mother and son are just having a conversation. And, you know, at this point, Brandon decides that it's his parents who are in the wrong spot. They went to the wrong place somehow. And that's why they can't find him. He doesn't, he thinks that he's at this half light point. Okay. So in his mind, He's in between Lynde and Marshall. So he tells, um he tells his dad, hey, listen, um, I see the lights from Lynde. I'm gonna go head in that direction. So at this point, Brian says, Okay, you head towards Lynde. I'm gonna take your mom home and have her way back at the house. So then Brian goes back out and he starts to look for Brandon at Lind, or inland. Excuse me. So after Brian drops the net off, he gets back on the phone with Brandon, and during Brian's drive. Back towards Lind, he's still on the phone with Brandon. And Brandon tells his dad, hey, listen, I'm going to cut through some fields so it's going to be quicker for you to come find me. Now, this phone call somehow manages to last 47 minutes. I'm dumbfounded. I don't know. So, Brandon's saying he's walking on a gravel road, which we knew. He's on this gravel road. His car's stuck. Okay. He sees two fence lines. He hears running water. So, he tells his dad, I'm heading that direction. Now, during this phone call, Brandon's suddenly going to yell out, oh, crap. He doesn't say crap. He uses the other four-letter word. No. I don't like to curse on the podcast and I haven't quite figured out how to edit in a beep. So like he says, oh, beep, you get it? Okay. Anyway, sorry if I just blew your eardrums out. So then the line disconnects. Now I'm going to spiral a little bit right here. Okay. So if he hears running water, but Brian doesn't hear the running water, Does Brandon fall into the running water? I don't think so. I personally don't think that that's what happened. So the line disconnected, right? And some people speculate that it's because the phone fell in the river. Um, I don't think so. Now, Brian... We're gonna I'm gonna stop spiraling because I don't want to give you any like spoilers for the rest of the story. So Brian's like, nope, gotta call my kid back. So he keeps calling and calling and calling and calling and all of those calls are remaining unanswered. And finally his phone just goes right to voicemail. So all communication between parents and child stopped like hard stop from this point forward. Brandon, or excuse me, Brian Swanson said in an interview that it sounded like Brandon possibly slipped and fell. He didn't say slipped and fell into water. He just said slipped and fell. So if he's walking through a pasture, there's fence lines. Maybe he slipped in cow poop. I don't know. Are there cows in Minnesota? There's cows in Minnesota. There has to be. Cows are cute. Anyway, so some point in time, Brian and Annette hook back up and The Swansons would then spend the rest of that um, night slash early morning looking for their son. They turn to his friends for help. They're calling them. They finally, like, get a hold of them. And they're like, hey, do you know where Brian is? Nobody knows, excuse me, where Brian is. They're searching the gravel road that that Brian said he was on. They're searching the farmlands cow poop slippage, maybe. I don't know. They're searching everywhere. They're looking for Brandon. It's 6.30 a.m. and Annette says, I'm calling the police department. She calls the Lynn Police Department to report Brandon missing. This next part is freaking infuriating. Okay. So the the police get this report. Sorry, I have to adjust the microphone. And they tell her to wait a little while because Quote, it wasn't unheard of for young males to go off the grid for a bit. Does he mean go off the grid because he fell into a freaking hole in the ground? I'm sorry, but that's a load of freaking crap. Mr. Swanson was on the phone with his son. His son said, oh, beep. And then the freaking call dropped and they could not get a hold of him since but he's off the grid are you kidding are you kidding me right now so okay how is that going off the grid i mean obviously he's off the grid but it's not freaking intentional okay i'm sorry crap like this it 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 gets my blood boiling so miss swanson told cnn back in 2010 that an officer said to her quote he had a right to be missing end quote again are you freaking kidding me okay yeah he's technically an adult don't get me started yes he's an adult legally but the frontal lobe does not fully mature until you Reached the age of 26. So, yes, he does have the right to be missing. He's still a child. That is still her child. She has every right to worry about her child. And one of the big podcasts that I listened to said, and Please, if you remember who said this, write in, tell me. But it's better to overreact than underreact. And that is what this police department did. They underreacted. I don't care that he's legally a freaking adult. Something happened. Something happened for this man to say, oh crap, and then the line disconnect. Okay. All right. I'm gonna. I'm gonna pack my anger back in. Okay, because. This story was very frustrating, and I have been frustrated on a lot of the cases that I have covered, but this one was – I don't know. It just it, – it hit me different in a different way than – it, like – I don't know, like, these other cases have started to peel away at, like, those scars on my heart. So, like, maybe we're at, like, that raw point to where, like, I'm starting to actually feel human emotion again. Um, either way, I don't like it. Um, so, whatever. That's neither here nor there. Okay, I'm going to stop spiraling. So, eventually, police are going to be like, okay, we'll help you. I Could you hear my eyes roll? Could, could you hear it? Because... They rolled. So they too, they're not going to turn up anything. Finally, you know, they're going to be like, all right, we'll do a countywide search. So finally, this countywide search begins. And the police said their response was delayed because, quote, it's not unusual for a 19 year old to stay out all night. End quote. Okay, yeah, you're right. You're right, Mr. Officer. I completely agree it is not unusual for a 19-year-old to stay out all night. I, at 19, did stay out all night. But this 19-year-old, sir, called his parents for help, sir, because he was stuck and wanted to go home. He wasn't out all night partying. He was trying to go home. Okay? All right. So I'm just wondering if they are not processing the part of the conversation where his parents were like um yeah no i get that but like he called me for help so like i don't think that's what's going on here yeah um or maybe, I don't know, the, the Lynde County Police Department was pretending like um that didn't happen. I don't know. I'm not trying to badmouth the lind Police Department. I'm just saying that this was shoddy, okay? And because of all this, something good actually does happen at the end of this case because of this whole thing. So, I mean, like, yay, but, like, crap. You know, like, it took something like this to... Change law. Just like with Amber Hegerman, it took Amber being kidnapped and, and murdered for us to get the Amber alert. And it is so disheartening that something of this magnitude needs to happen before laws are made or laws are changed. Okay. I don't know. I am hopping off my soapbox for maybe the next 30 seconds. I don't know. We'll see. So later that day, um, phone records are going to be requested. It was unclear who requested these phone records, but somebody got them, okay? And those phone records showed that Brandon was actually nowhere near Lind. He's actually closer to Porter, Minnesota. And that's 25 miles away from Lind. Um, So Porter's actually located between Canby and Marshall along Highway 68. Now, this is super confusing, and I will post a map on Instagram for you guys to see. Um, so, and I'm really sorry if you can hear my dogs barking in the background. I have three corgis, and that is all they do. Um, Everybody say hi to Georgie. He's barking. Love him. I'll post pictures on my Instagram of the three quarks if you guys want to see them. Um, Especially Georgie um, of Sir Barkington because that's all he does. All right. So, anyway. So, finally, um, this official search kicked off around 1230 p.m. That's six hours after the Swanson family called for help. Six hours. All right, so Brandon's car is actually located a mile and a half north in Taunton. Taunton, is that T silent? We pronounce them that T, not really sure. So Taunton sits on the border between Lincoln, Yellow Medicine, and Lyon Counties. Now, the Lincoln County um, Sheriff Jack Vizeki told CNN that, quote, the car was hung up it's a sharp incline, nothing major, but the car was hung up. So the wheel was too high off the ground to get any traction. Okay, so we're going to we're going to circle on back to what I said earlier. Remember how like that gravel is on that like sharp incline and like maybe it's like bunched up or something i don't know little sus to me um not really sure but that little piece of information kind of like stuck out and made me go hmm that's weird that's suspicious but i don't know i'm not a cop i wasn't there but it was weird to me so um the sheriff's report's Uh, Reported, excuse me, that nothing unusual was in or around the car. There's no damage to the vehicle and that there's grass in the ditch and gravel on the road. And Vizeki said that it's possible to not leave any tracks behind indicating which direction Brandon traveled. So not having any tracks didn't really give investigators much of a jumping off point. They Don't know which direction to look in because they don't know what direction he went in. So, with no idea on what direction Brandon went in, they bring in search dogs. Now, these dogs are brought in to obviously help find Brandon and they lead investigators to some woods off the bank of the Yellow Medicine River. Now this river, um, the depth of it ranges from knee high in certain areas to about 15 feet in other areas. And when Brandon went missing, it was reported that at that time, the river was flowing. It was high and it was flowing fast. So, was it possible that he slipped into the river, which is why his dad yelled him or yelled him, heard him yell, oh crap, or you know, um, was it something else? So investigators kind of believe that Brandon slipped into the river. And you know, that is their initial working theory. They assumed that he'd fallen into the river and drowned. Now, this was the th- Theory that they were working with to begin with. And that theory would change when one of the dogs would alert to the river's edge and then continue on walking. So now they're thinking, okay, well, maybe Brandon fell in, and that's why we hear the oh crap falls in, phone drops in, instantly dies, and that's why, you know, dad can't get a hold of him. But that doesn't make sense to me because if the phone landed in the river and it shut off, wouldn't it have gone to voicemail immediately? I um, was actually the same age as Brandon in 2008. Uh, Well, no, I was almost 18 at this time. So very similar in age to him. And I don't... I remember, I think I maybe had, like, one of those cool, like, pink Razer flip phones. Y'all remember those? Um, And I know, like, one time when I was close to his age, I had, like, one of those, like, slidey – no, no, I had one of those, like, slide-up phones from, like, Sprint. It was, like, one of those, like, off-brand, like, sidekick phones. And I dropped it in water once, and that thing, like, short-circuited did not work. Like, could not get a hold of me. So – it's 2008. I'm thinking that if that phone landed in water, it have, would have gone. Ew, sorry, just had to sneeze. Damn want to blow your eardrums out with that. Um, so if it would have landed in water, it probably would have shut off like almost instantaneously. So that doesn't make sense. I have more questions now. So, okay. Anyway, so they're assuming, you know, Brandon fell in um that night. It was a bitter 39 degrees. And investigators are worried, um, you know, maybe he fell in, he got out, but he succumbed to hypothermia. Okay, that's a, that's a possibility. But if he did fall into the river and he got back out, why wouldn't he just walk back to his car? I'm sure he had to know what direction it came from. You know, or He probably would have headed towards those lights. Now, they know where his car is, right? And if he did get out of that river, where was he? They couldn't find him. They couldn't find his body. They couldn't find any evidence to support that Brandon was still in the area. Okay? So, Lincoln County Sheriff Jack Vizetsky. Vizetsky? I don't know. V-I-Z-E-C-K-Y. The more I look at it and the more that I attempt to say it, the more I'm going to butcher him, butcher it. So I'm just going to call him Sheriff V because I don't want to disrespect this man's last name. Um, So Sheriff V told CNN in that same article that I mentioned earlier um, that there are about two miles of river in the area where Brandon's car was found. And it took investigators six hours to walk the banks. And Sheriff V told CNN that he walked that river every single day for a month. Every single day, folks. Okay. So Sheriff V, you're good in my book. Okay. You're you're trying to find Brandon. I'm gonna hope that you were not one of those guys who was like, He's gonna wait to be missing, he's nineteen, No. <laughs> Whatever. Okay. So Sheriff V is is doing the thing. He is looking for Brandon. He is walking up and down. Okay. So more dogs are brought in. And these dogs actually hit on an area that was searched previously when the initial investigation was um, taking off. So this area is actually downstream from where he would have Washed up had he fallen in and then floated downstream. But there's no sign of Brandon. And I think that's because he he did not stay in the river. And I say that because I personally don't think he fell in the river. And Sheriff V also said that those investigators that were working with him also don't believe he fell in the river. Brandon's mom doesn't believe he fell in the river. Now, hear me out. So I don't think he fell in the river for one of two things. In one article that I read, a bloodhound, um, no, Annette, his mom, said that a bloodhound followed Brandon's scent from the car to an abandoned farm down the road so one dog is hitting over by the river and that could been so you know how like they give your dog like a shirt or a hairbrush or something that has your scent on it to find a person what if somebody threw brandon's clothes or something in the river and that's what that one dog was hitting on but really brandon went the opposite way. Now, I know with hypothermia cases, there is paradoxical undressing. So maybe Brandon undressed and left his clothes somewhere. But again, they would have found the clothes. They did not find the clothes. Okay. So this one dog follows, you know, his scent to a farm down the road. This farm's about three miles away. And another dog is hopping in the river and hopping out the river and going down the gravel road and eventually losing the scent. Now, in cases that I've read prior or, you know, just other cases that I have followed, sometimes when a scent just suddenly stops like that, it's because that person got into a vehicle. So again, who was with Branton? I don't think he was alone out there that night, and that's my theory. That is the hill I'm willing to die on. I do not think he was alone. I think somebody else was with him. Do I think that person has something to do with his disappearance? Maybe. It depends. Is this a hitchhiker he picked up, or is it, like, a friend that was with him? But if it is the friend, where's the friend? You know? I don't think he was alone. I think something, something fishy happened. Okay. And Sheriff V, you know, is leaving that door open for foul play. I am barreling through that door like I'm the freaking Kool-Aid man because I think foul play was involved. Now, there is no evidence that someone was waiting for him. There's no evidence that. There was somebody waiting for anybody, really. There's no evidence, however, to suggest that there wasn't someone. There's no evidence to suggest that it wasn't someone who made that gravel mound. Okay, um, that's that's all I'm saying. Okay, is that his car was stranded on this mound, made it impossible for his wheels to touch, get traction. Did some lunatic who was like living in that abandoned farm? I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, one of those dogs hits on the abandoned farm. So is it a false scent? Was Brand in that abandoned farm at one point? Po- it, it's possible. that It is possible. Okay, there's no drag marks. So I don't know if he was dragged there, if he walked there. I, I don't know. But what I do know, though, is that cadaver dogs didn't find its body. Not because they weren't brought out there but because they couldn't. So if Brandon did succumb to the elements, like some investigators thought, his body, his clothes, his phone, something that was on his person, if not his person, should have turned up. Nothing has been seen since. Three weeks of searching cadaver dogs still can't smell anything. And in some articles I read, like the AKC website, said that some cadaver dogs, depending on the breed, can smell a decomposing body starting at 24 hours post death. It's been three weeks. If Brandon was dead and out in that area, those dogs should have been able to find him, right? That I don't know. So they're trained these dogs are trained to pick up the scent of decomp. They can – some dogs can smell through, like, the water. So is that why – and I've read that in, like, one of the, like, uh, American Kennel Club's um, website things. Um, So if you're interested in reading that um, article, let me know. Because water, while it's cleansing, it doesn't have – essentially doesn't have a smell to it. So it doesn't mask the smell of anything. And I'm not saying, like, you know, they're sticking their nose to the water. But they're able to get a sense of where the scents are um, changing. So that could explain why that one dog jumps in the river and then jumps back out of the river. So I don't know. Just a thought. Um, Derek Woodford of the Bureau of Criminal Apprehension, or the BCA, said that um, investigators have gotten some leads over the last 10 years. And, you know, some of these leads are good, others not so good. But I think that's par for the course in any investigation. You're going to have some good leads and some not so good leads. Now, the search area for Brandon is 122 square miles. That's a lot to cover. So I'm not saying that... They're able to cover that 20, 122 square miles. I I don't know if every square inch of that area has been searched. But from what I have seen, due diligence was done eventually. It was done. So I'm hoping that, you know one of these days we're we're gonna get some answers. I personally don't think Brandon was alone. I don't know if he did pick somebody up, like I said, or if he met somebody out there. If some sicko was out there waiting, it's possible. It it is possible. And Mr. and Mrs. Swanson are suffering beyond anything that you or I could potentially imagine, but they took that grief and they harnessed that grief and they did something powerful and beautiful with that grief. They're responsible for enacting Brandon's Law in Minnesota. Now, Brandon's Law was signed into law by former governor, governor, excuse me, Tim Pawlenty on May seventh, two thousand and nine, and two months later, on July first. 2009, the law would officially go into effect. Now, Brandon's law requires law enforcement to take a missing persons report without delay, regardless of their age, regardless of the circumstances. If someone went missing under a dangerous circumstance, no matter you know how old they are, like in Brandon's case, if Something potentially dangerous happened, like Brandon. And even though he was 19, he still went missing on dangerous circumstances. And this law requires that officials immediately conduct a preliminary investigation to determine if that person is missing voluntarily or if they are an endangered missing. And then they are to promptly notify all law enforcement agencies of the situation. And that law does clarify that the agency that took the report is the lead agency in the investigation. That is amazing. So listeners out there, if you live in a different state, do you have Brandon's law or a law similar on in your state? I'm, I am I would love to know, you know, DM me on Instagram or, um, Join our Facebook discretion group and let me know if your state has a law. Uh, I would love to know. So according to the Charlie Project's website, At the time of his disappearance, Brandon was wearing a white t-shirt under a blue striped polo. He was wearing baggy blue jeans and a black hooded zip-up jacket with an emblem on the back. I couldn't find out what that emblem was. Um, And the Charlie Project also reported that he was wearing a white flat billed Minnesota Twins hat with a pair of white sneakers. He had a sterling silver necklace on and a uh, pair of earrings, or one stud earring in each ear, excuse me. Um, Brandon is described as a white male with brown hair and blue eyes. Brandon does wear glasses. When he went missing, he was wearing black wire-framed glasses. He does have a small scar above his left eye, and he is legally blind also in that left eye. If you or anyone you know has any information regarding Brandon Swanson's disappearance or you know where he is, please, for the love of everything that you believe in, call the Lincoln County Sheriff's Office and they can be reached at 507-694-1664. Again, your tips can remain anonymous. If you know something, say something. Y'all, say it with me, okay? If you know something, say something. You can remain anonymous, okay? All right. As always, stay spooky, be a good human, and uh, I'll catch you next week. Catch you on the flip side. Um, Before I go, follow me on Instagram. You can also follow me on Facebook. Uh, you can also find me uh, in my discretion group. I can be found on Instagram at Murdered and Missing Pod. And Murdered and Missing, a True Crime Podcast, is my handle on Facebook. All right, y'all. See you next week.